I never really felt the need to differentiate between is this real or is it my imagination? It's more that's friggin' cool. I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> so, and I still feel kind of the same way about it. You know, when I, I'm like, I couldn't tell you what the priests were chanting over the sarcophagus, but it's more this, oh God, that, you know, there's the experience. It's like, it's a little bit of like almost like a cellular memory. Podcast Junkies, episode 324. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to this podcast, I want to give you a super big virtual hug from where I am in Minneapolis to wherever you are. I appreciate you finding the show and I'd love to hear how that happened. So anytime you feel the urge, email me harry at podcastjunkies.com. If you are a regular listener, then I really appreciate you coming and showing up each and every week as we find some of the most interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows, and more importantly, whatever else is on their mind. And a lot of times these conversations have been going all over the map because I create a comfortable and casual environment and I want people to really feel safe, that this is a safe space that you can talk about whatever's on your mind and we can talk as much or as little about personal stuff or podcasting stuff and the most recent conversations I've been having are really resonating with listeners and I really appreciate the feedback I've been getting. If you missed last episode, we had a great conversation with return guest Dustin Miller. Dustin is a super smart cat. We talked about podcasting, polymaths, podcast productivity, and probably the longest list of resources I think I've ever posted in the show notes. He's really keen on trying new things and breaking things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't, and always really playing around with new ways of doing business. And he's a really inspiring guy, and I hope to connect with him because I think we're going to be meeting each other at Podcast Movement coming up next week. If you are attending, Connect with me on socials. I'll be speaking on two panels, so please uh, check the program. One's Tuesday, one's Wednesday. One is about the power of storytelling, and I appreciate Fatima from Quill inviting me to that panel. And then the next one is actually with my partner Natalie and good friend Ali of Food Heals. We're going to be talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, getting sponsorship for your show and all the different ways that can happen. Regular listeners will know that I spoke at Podcast Movement last year about what I did with the Vertical Farming Podcast, my second show. If you don't know, I host a show called Vertical Farming Podcast. You can probably guess what it's about. But since the show started in 2020, I've published over 110 episodes and was able to secure a podcast sponsor from day one before I even published. The show's gone on to generate more than 80K in sponsorship dollars, and it's a fantastic story. So I'll provide the link in the show notes for my talk at Podcast Movement, which has been getting a lot of great feedback. And again, thanks to the team at Podcast Movement for letting me speak last year. So if that's a topic that's near and dear to your heart, obviously you can attend this year my panel or watch that video. This week, another return guest, it's Tina Dietz. Always love Tina's energy. We talk about slowing down and appreciating life, connecting through shared experiences and resonance, which for anyone that knows me knows that's something that's very, very interesting for me. She's a true genius when it comes to audiobooks and podcast production. So we talk about those topics. We talk about the challenges with those mediums 
and how her team is able to help creators overcome them. I just love Tina's energy and it's always fun when I can get to connect with her. Unfortunately, you don't get to do it as much at podcast conferences because they're so far and few in between or we just keep missing each other. So I always appreciate the opportunity to have this stage to connect with my friends and share those stories with you. If you end up enjoying this episode or any of my past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast chunkies. I'd love to read yours out next. These episodes are always chock full of great takeaways. And as a listener, I want you to focus all your energy on our conversation. So rest assured, you can always visit podcastjunkies.com to read the full show notes for each episode, which includes all guest links as well. I always like to throw in a plug for new podcast apps that support direct podcaster support, aka the work being done by the team at Podcast Index and everything that's happening with Podcasting 2.0. So if that's something that piques your curiosity, check out newpodcastapps.com. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Tina, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. With our Done For You agency, Fullcast, we take immense pride in working with remarkable individuals and organizations to produce exceptional shows. And I'm thrilled once again to be partnering with my good friend Tom Zeeb on the relaunch of his show, The Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation. If you've ever had any experience with real estate negotiation, you know it can be a challenging realm, often feeling like an enigma shrouded in uncertainty. But fear not, with this entertaining and educational show, Tom aims to demystify the art of negotiation and uncover the powerful science behind it. With a wealth of experience as a best-selling author, speaker, real estate entrepreneur, and adventurer, he brings a unique perspective to the table. As president of Traction Real Estate Investors Association and founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors, his insights are invaluable to anyone seeking success in the world of real estate. Join him every week as he sits down with successful real estate investors, partners, and students to unlock the secrets of their triumphs. Their stories will inspire and empower you to elevate your real estate business to unprecedented heights. To learn more and subscribe to the podcast, head on over to TomZeeb.com. So now that we're here, I've been appreciating this idea of just slowing down. So I just came back from a conference in New York and I love New York City. I'm a New Yorker at heart. It'll always be in my blood. But I realized this one time how crazy it is. I was taking a cab to the event, which was in Times Square, Marriott, which is like the most the crazy. <laughs> but just watching everyone, just like ants, just like, and everyone kind of just seemed stressed out at some level, like whether the taxi driver, the delivery guy, construction guys carrying two by fours on the sidewalk, trying not to bop people in the head. Everyone's super like biking, vigilant. Like walking, yeah. the parking attendant, the garage is opening. Like I was just watching everything like happen. I was just like, man, just the city never, never stops, never sleeps. And it's interesting, like when I grew up in that environment too, I really love the energy, but I think as I get older, I just, there's something about like being at that level always, that's probably not good for your adrenals. Yeah. Your adrenals and nervous system, everything. I'm the same way. Like I love soaking in that certain energy that New York city has, but it's, you can't do it long-term. Yeah. It's too much. So for anyone who hasn't had the chance to see you or hear you on the first, have we chatted once or twice now on the show? I forgot. <laughs> I'll have to I can't look. remember. <laughs> it's been a while. So thank you for joining me again on Podcast Junkies. Of course, Harry. It was really nice of you to ask. It's an excuse for me to just catch up with my friends too. <laughs> that's the secret too. That's, <laughs> that's basically, if you think about now, like the podcast is a platform for me to talk about people in the world of podcasting. And sometimes there's mm-hmm. people doing interesting stuff with cool tools and stuff. But then eventually I just like, I'm like, oh man, we haven't caught up. So let's find out what's going on and just yeah. record it for people to, <laughs> you know, in case any gold comes out of it. But it's just also just a nice way 
I see these appointments on the calendar and, and I smile. I'm like, oh, I get to catch up. But I felt the same way. I was like, I haven't talked to Harry in a, yeah, you know, yeah. a year. So where's home now for just give new listeners some context? I am still in Gainesville, Florida. We're probably okay. going to be here for another year. And yeah. then I will have kind of an empty nest at that point. And then my husband and I have decided that we're going to travel Europe for several months oh, nice. and then figure out kind of what's next because all my businesses and endeavors have always been designed to be remote. So yeah, I was working remotely before it was cool. <laughs> We're in Europe. We're probably going to make Warwickshire outside of London, our home base, because I have some cousins there who okay. have said we could, you know, kind of use our house as a home base. And then I think we're just going to kind of spiral out from there, you know, and do a kind of a deep dive all over the UK, maybe Ireland, mm. and then I think potentially France for our first outing. Nice. We'll see. I don't want to take, again, going that slowing down. It's, I like to do things in a little bit more, a less frenzied yeah. way when I'm traveling. Yeah. And you'll be out there for about, you said two, three months. Yeah. I mean, I can be out there as an American for about three months. My yeah. husband's Canadian. He could do longer, but okay. you know, they have to beat us Americans back with a stick. <laughs> and I certainly understand why. Yeah, yeah. So. And when's the last time you were out there? Well, I actually had never been to Europe until a couple of months ago. We went to London. It was my first time there and brought my kids who are teenagers and mm -hmm. we had a blast. We had a really great time, but I just fell in love with it. So we're like, okay, we got to come back. <laughs> Timing's what, perfect. What'd you like most about it? It's it has a lot to do with the age and the depth of the history. You know, yeah. America is such a young country in comparison and you'd be just be walking on a floor and they'll be like, this has been here for a thousand <laughs> years. And it's like, yeah. you know, they, there's nothing like that in terms of structures and, yeah. you know, that, that people were fighting wars and living and dying and had fully formed cultures well over a thousand oh, yeah. years ago in the UK. So it's interesting to have that sense. And it's just a gorgeous green, yeah. beautiful country. It really is. There's can see why it has been fought over and why so many people have flocked to live there between mm. the you know what you can grow there and the climate and you know it's not overly mountainous and like oh this is a hell of an island yeah 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 i think just the context of like having stuff that's over two thousand years old you know especially because that's our point of reference here in the states and so I've been fascinated by that. And also, like, if you go deeper, and I still go on and get to Egypt, and then you start going back Me to four, five, eight thousand, and then Gobekli Tepe, which was in Turkey, 10,000, 12,000. It just starts getting crazy because you're starting, and you look at the quality of the construction of the stuff that's there, Machu Picchu, and you just start oh, yeah. asking a bunch of questions <laughs> that will take you down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. It's very true. I had a whole argument with myself staring at a stone Egyptian sarcophagus in the British Museum mm. because I was so drawn to it and almost to the point where I could see and hear and feel mm. the priests kind of like chanting and praying as they're carving all these intricate spells and prayers into the stone sarcophagus. And my mom, I'm having this argument with myself. I'm like, really want to touch it? You're not supposed to touch it. <laughs> really want to touch it? You're not supposed to touch it. You know, but it, it, yeah, I got very transported by that. Does that happen a lot when you're in the presence of stuff like that? It depends on what it is, but yeah, it's something that's happened since I was a little kid. Ooh, it's like one it. of those things. Yeah, I'm pretty visual and I get, you know, kind of a read or a vibe off of something. 
it's fun. I enjoy it. What's your earliest memory of, of an experience like that? Oh, geez. My earliest memory of that. Damn. Probably being at the science museum when I was a really little kid in elementary school or something. And I remember kind of touching or handling a rock or something like that in one of the sections on early man and things like that. And just having this sense of smelling smoke and home fire and people's kind of voices, but not English and, you know, stuff like that. That's, I think that's the earliest one that I can remember. And is that, I know there's all these different ways of like, what is it, where you sense things, where you hear things, where you see things, where you smell things. Oh, the, sure. The, the, what are the, I forgot what the names are, all of them are different. For you, was it something that you just heard or you just like it felt? Kind of being transported, kind of a oh. you are there experience, oh. right? Like you're actually kind of in the scene or in the experience with whoever's there. So you know, it's very brief, but I tend to get a sense of smell and hearing, certainly, oh. and can see some, you know, stuff kind of going on. It's just a, yeah, I've always found it, I did a lot of, or certainly wanted to do a lot of more, you know, theater and things like that when I was young. Yeah. And my parents always thought it was because I liked the attention. And don't get me wrong, I love attention. But it always was the sense of wanting to go on a shared experience and a shared journey with okay. the audience because I could had this sense of, of the audience and myself as this single entity that was going on this journey through the story. And I think that's one of the, I actually, I know it's why I'm drawn to the work that I do now, people's voices and audio and all this other stuff. It's still that same sense of wanting to connect and be part of that, that shared experience. When something like that happens to you, like early on, do you ignore it? Do you dig deeper, you know, and depending on where you are, family and time frame, and you know, it's probably a, a topic that's pretty strange to folks who don't have any experience it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it generally when you're, when I was a child, it just got chalked up to imagination. Yeah. So it didn't really, and I've always been someone who also has a very vivid imagination. So I never really felt the need to differentiate between, is this real or is it my imagination? It's more, that's freaking cool. I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> so, and I still feel kind of the same way about it. You know, when I, I'm like, I couldn't tell you what the priests were chanting over the sarcophagus, but it's more this, oh God, that, you know, there's the experience. It's like, it's a little bit of like, almost like a cellular memory or something like that. And, you know, given how we are as human beings and DNA, and we know that energy gets stored. Yeah. in objects and things like that. It's more like having a brain that's able to, in some way, shape or form, read the vibration of what's mm. there. I think that's all it is. Is that a skill that you've cultivated? To a certain extent. I mean, I'm a therapist by training okay. and I've done a tremendous amount of work, both on myself and as a professional over the years, as a coach, as a therapist, as a facilitator, a speaker. And there's this always this resonance of being with other people, you know, it's from the stage or it's one-on-one -on -one or whatever, but I always have had this and I have cultivated it. Yes. Through various means of looking to be more effective in those roles, you know, and even now as, you know, leading my company and things like that with my team, the more you can resonate with someone else and kind of put yourself in their shoes 
and see things from somebody else's point of view, that kind of perspective taking, you know, certainly that's a very human skill. That's, you know, we got these beautiful mirror neurons that cause empathy and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's just another version of that. And then how did you, or when did you start like incorporating it into the actual work you do and like working with clients? Oh, well, geez. I mean, I think that's why I was drawn to my original careers in therapy and things like that is because I was doing work on myself. I wanted to help other people and, but I grew up as an entrepreneur. So I've never been that good at working inside of hierarchy and bureaucracy, anything that was going to smoosh a good idea that was going to make something better. And I'm horrible at playing office politics and things like that. I just, I, no. No mm -hmm. water cooler chat. I am not, I am not that guy. No, no thank God it's Friday. I am, no, no, uh, no hang hump, in there, baby. <laughs> no, no, none of that. I just, I mean, I tried for years in academia. Mm. I tried for years and years in academia to, and there was like all the different unions fighting with each other. And I was just like, can we just get some shit done? Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's always that resonance with other people has always been at the forefront connection, connection, mm -hmm. connection, connection, connection. It's always at the forefront. So I'm trying to think where we first met, probably podcast movement or. No, I've never no. been weirdly oh, you've enough. Never been to podcast I've movement. never That's been to wild. podcast movement. No, <laughs> no, I got burned out on conferences when I was growing up through my yeah. parents' business. And I'm really, really selective if I go to bigger events because they just bore the crap out of me <laughs> yeah. more often than not. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. really got to have a reason to go or I got to be speaking. Yeah. And so it was, it yeah, was, but was no, I think you and I met it. I think it was one of the first pod fests. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Cause I was at the first one and I was, you know, doing all the interviews for the documentary that Chris Kermitzos and yeah, his team did. Right. And that was super fun. I really, that was a great experience. I did interviewing a, like 40 people. I have a cameo in that first one. It's funny. Cause he wanted to capture me for a little bit of it. And I think they were thinking of doing like a, a sequel to that, which I don't think ever happened. But I remember. No, I don't think it happened. They did talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. But I was at my folks' place this past weekend. And I noticed I had showed it to them because I had I saw the DVD on like the dresser in the room that I was in. I was like, oh, the messengers. <laughs> and I was like, there's the DVD. And I was like, so thankfully, I think he shot like a, it was like, there's like probably 30 seconds or a minute of like me. And he got me in there for a cameo, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm in the trailer. Okay. which I didn't know that was going to happen until after the fact, but I was like, well, yeah. that's cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about for folks that don't know about the work you do and, you know, starting with the podcasting, the stuff you do with books and kind of like how everything's evolved <laughs> to present. Lots of stuff probably, but you can it is a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is a can... lot of stuff. Well, I will say that everything thematically has always been around this notion of connection and around people being able to get their voice out into the world effectively, whether that was starting a business and, or having an effective business, leading their teams, you know, all the work that I did as a business coach and consultant for years. And then through audio and the work we do now producing nonfiction audiobooks and podcasts for businesses and companies and, and leaders. So thematically, again, it, there's this thread that goes all the way through and it always fascinates me that most of us can draw these threads back even into our childhoods and yeah. what we love and what we're drawn to, what we're connected to. So it really just all comes down to that connection. And the medium we chose was audio because it is such a, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, 
or on a show called Podcast Junkies (laughs) for crying out loud. You know, it's so flexible and it's so accessible. And that's what gave me goosebumps when I originally started Twin Flame Studios. The company I own today was, wow, audiobooks and podcasts are some of the lowest hanging fruit that people can use to start to change their lives. And you literally get to be, if you're in a podcast, if you're on an audiobook, you literally get to be a voice in someone's head. Yeah. Such a cool, cool, cool privilege that is from a relationship perspective, from a neurological perspective, from a psychological perspective. It's just, you know, endlessly fascinating to me. It's interesting that most people may not think about it that way or really sort of put two and two together. Because when, you know, I've said this a lot as well. There's three people in this conversation right now, me, you, and the listener, singular. Hi, listener. Hi, listener. Thank you so much for taking the time and hope you're enjoying this conversation with Tina and I. And it is, you're almost borrowing their time. Yeah. And you're making some sort of informal contract that we're going to spend X number of minutes or hours, if it's Joe Rogan, but <laughs> oh, Lord. whatever, you know, whatever it is, but you're going to spend that time and that list because you can't listen to two things at once. You can do something else. You can wash dishes, walk the dog, exercise and listen to a podcast, but you can't listen to two people at the same time. I've tried. It's not no, your head, no <laughs> your, your head will explode. No, absolutely not. So it's really interesting to think about that listener as really committing trusting, deciding that, yes, I think for some reason someone showed me this podcast or referred it to me, or it's been a relationship I've been building over years and years and years, or it's an author that I like. And so I definitely know what I'm going to get, but it's really, because once you've devoted that amount of time, you can't get it back. And we've all heard stuff or started shows that just be like, okay, you give them like two minutes and you're like, ah, like, no, that's not for me. And I think I've been more discerning. I don't know about you, but like more discerning when I hear new stuff and I'm like, I quickly want to figure out, is this going to be worth my time or not? I do that all the time. And I think once you're a podcast and you've been in audio for a while, you end up with a little bit almost of a disadvantage because you become a little too discerning sometimes. Like I'm really sensitive to the quality of people's voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often will discount a podcast out of hand because in the first 20 seconds, if I don't like the sound of somebody's voice, which is totally unfair. <laughs> Yeah. It's completely unfair, but I'm like, no, my ears. Oh God, yeah, no. Yeah. Or if they have poor audio quality, yeah. yeah. You know, you really. I mean, there's no excuse at <laughs> the stage of the game <laughs> for shitty audio. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be pristine. I don't have a great microphone on today at the space I'm in and stuff like that. My mic though. was not yeah. doing great, so yeah. yeah, it's okay. But you know, we're not in a whisper booth or anything mm-hmm. like that, and that's okay. But. I mean, for God's sake, use an external <laughs> microphone, people. But also yeah. the tools that are available nowadays, you know, we've been testing new platforms. Hindenburg, the new version's got the noise reduction plugin built in now, which works wonders. I've used it a couple of times and it's oh, that's it nice. cleans up stuff pretty easily. We use Descript now for some video stuff. They've got the studio sound, you know, feature. You turn it on and it's like they just updated it in, in that. Oh, they did a nice job with it? Yeah, you set it at like 75% and it cleans up a lot. So it's like this one button, like noise reduction, noise. that's so nice. Yeah. A lot of the tools, even Squadcast, which is the tool we're using today, they've got an option now to do regular audio or Adobe Enhanced and it'll do some built-in noise reduction while we're having the conversation. So it, it does that. So I think lately I've been hearing like just better audio because the 
people are taking the time. Even if you just had earbuds, it still goes. It's still better. Yeah, still better than just talking into your laptop. <laughs> talking in your laptop in your big empty room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about my podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so exactly. Who do you work with? Who do you like to work with? You know, and then obviously when you're first getting started, as any entrepreneur will do, like we work with anyone who wants to work with us. So we <laughs> cut our teeth and then later on we regret it. And then we have True. our horror stories of the people we work with that we probably shouldn't work with and all that sort of stuff. But let's assume we've made it past that part. So now we can be more yes. discerning, you know, like who's ideal for you and who makes you like be happy in terms of like the, the projects you're working on lately? Well, I'm fortunate, you know, in our company, in Twin Flame Studios, we have kind of several different folks that we work with. So on the audiobook side of the company, we work both with individual authors, but we also work with publishers. So mostly hybrid publishers. And we love working with hybrid publishers because we're able to be this kind of like, I'm sorry, it's slick as hell, the systems we have for working with publishers, because we can be their entire audiobook division. Oh, nice. And it's totally seamless. It's gorgeous. It adds like six figures onto their bottom line without adding more time. You know, we figured this out. You yeah. know, it's our bread and butter. It's what we love to do. And, and just hybrid, just to be yeah. clear, is a publisher who's producing audio and print. No, and a hybrid publisher is a a book publisher mm-hmm. who a traditional publisher doesn't charge authors. They only make their money on royalties. Okay. As traditional publishing, a hybrid publisher will either do pay for play, you pay up front and then you own all your rights and royalties and it's all set up for you, yeah. or there's a combination of the two and depending on the setup. Yeah. So, and because we are also, you know, guns for hire, so to speak in audio land, the matchup on the business model works really, really well okay. to do that. So we love working with these mid-sized kind of hybrid publishers, folks who have like 40 40 to 100, could be more, books a year that they're publishing in nonfiction. And their authors, though, are so fantastic. There's this range of experts. And so these are established experts on a range of different subjects, but they're mostly in service industries. They're in a point of their career, which is so great that they're moving beyond, like you said, they're not in that beginning stage as much anymore. Mm -hmm. They are in this space of leadership, looking to move the needle on their industry. And and sometimes we just get, you know, the most fabulous people like Michael Bungay Stanier, who's published, I think, eight books now, and he's sold gazillions of books on coaching, or someone like Merrill Hodge, who's on ESPN, and or the owner of the Savannah Bananas, you know, which is a kind of the baseball version of the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, okay. That's right? Funny. I mean you just we get these super cool books and then this whole yeah. range of books on resilience, books on growth and self-help. And it's just my directors, because we specialize in author narration, we do both uh, yeah. professionally and author, but my narrators are like, got to have gotten several university degrees on different topics from directing these audiobooks. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> time, yeah. So when you talk a little bit about the process, so do you work with authors who have already published a book then? Usually audiobooks come toward the end of the process. Okay. Then manuscript is already done. Yeah. You know, people ask me a lot, well, can I do an audiobook version and then turn it into a book? No, that sucks. You don't want to do that because editing is your yeah. friend yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. the process of book <laughs> creation is messy and, you know, and interesting and it will change. So you can speak your book, but that's not the same as doing an audiobook. Not even close. 
And so we work with folks after their manuscript is done and work with them remotely. We fully direct them and we capture all of their audio. So they get this experience of being able to be in the comfort generally of their home or office, but we're making sure that their audio is super high quality, definitely better than what I'm doing here today. (laughs) And they're also getting the benefit of somebody having their back. Yeah. They're being listened to very intensely because we're going through and reading their book along with them, Mm. catching their mistakes, catching where their energy is flagging, catching, you know, oh, well, this generally this section of a book doesn't get put into the book. So you don't have to narrate this part or all the advice that kind of goes along with it. And then we get to advocate for them in terms of how they distribute, how they maximize their royalties, how they use their audiobook as an asset. So it's a privilege to be a part of somebody's journey who's looking to make a difference in the world. What percentage of the folks that you work with come from the publishers and what versus the people that just come to you directly? Well, we generally are a referral based business. So we have, you know, a lot of referral partners because I like people and I like to cultivate (laughs) relationships. And so, you know, a hundred percent come from referrals in general. A few come from speaking gigs and things like that I do, but I don't do too many of those right now, aside from you and I hanging out kinds of stuff. (laughs) But it is generally our, it's our referral network that is referring us business. And that includes our dedicated partners. And do you have authors that have self-published come to you or is it? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. A lot of those are through our smaller partners who are non-publishers, ghostwriters, book coaches, editors, cover designers, all of those folks. And I have a monthly publishing gathering of my colleagues. And so, you know, I often say I'm an Italian grandmother in training. (laughs) And so one of my ways of expressing that is by having these monthly publishing tea parties, I call them, where we get together and talk about the industry and do a little masterminding and it's, but it's dropping, it's casual. And, but you know, you generally get a dozen to 15 people talking about stuff and everybody kind of feels seen and heard which is really important to me. Most of the folks that are on that call published authors already? They are all professionals in the publishing industry. Okay. And most of them are also published authors. Okay. Yeah. So it's usually, it's an and thing. (laughs) And I'm just curious, where do you see folks, authors having the most success when it comes to, it's probably trends like everything else, but what are you seeing now that's having like most of the impact or getting attention in terms of, Topics. Topics. You know what? I don't really think it's topic specific. I mean, there's always some trends on topics and things like that. Like we saw a huge bump in audiobook listenership in the self-help category, like 34%. That's Mm. a massive bump. And during COVID. Yeah. yeah. Not surprising. Right. But it has stayed. It has stayed almost that high that particular time. True crime in nonfiction, always the number one category. I don't know why people can't get enough of murder. That point puzzles me a lot. It says something about us as human beings, (laughs) but it's always up there and romance. So, you know, love and murder. Okay. (laughs) Love and, you know, but romance of course is a more of a a fiction category, but, but yeah, there's always a place for people's topics. Hmm. It has way more, the success of a book is less to do with the topic than if it's written well. And if it's distributed well, and if it's marketed well, you know, it's 
that's always it. It's you got to put in quality and you've got to put in the marketing. Do you have a lot of first time authors come and see for advice? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are first, first time authors, even though they're really well established in their fields. So it's always great to work with them and kind of hear how their experience has been throughout the book process. And, you know, we have the privilege of being able to make it easy on them or as easy as possible. They always learn a ton. My favorite are the folks who are like, well, I'm a professional speaker and I also have a (laughs) podcast and I have a thing. I could just do this myself. And then we talk with them and they're like, well, it would be great to be directed. And I don't know all the ins and outs. And then by the end of the book, they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did this with you. I learned a whole other skill set. And it's not just learning how to narrate, which is a whole skill set, but it is a different way of breathing, a different way of speaking, a different way of communicating. And they become more present. And uh, we've had a lot of people say how much it's impacted everything from sales meetings to speaking gigs and or even communication with their spouses, which again, (laughs) yeah, I know, I know. It's like, yeah. Do you have people who are looking to get started with their writing their first book come to you? Not so much because on the audiobook side of things, usually people are after the fact, but yeah, occasionally we do start conversations about a first book during the podcasting process though. Okay. Yeah. And how can that podcasting content be used either for a book or for articles or for white papers okay. and things like that. That's usually in that strategic repurposing conversation that happens around podcasting content. Yeah. So I was going to segue to that overlap between podcasting and the books, and, and maybe this is that entry point for there, but do you see that sort of that flow being people who have started a podcast, have been podcasting for several years, created a ton of content? I just saw that Podium, the service that Buzzsprout uses now has like a feature where you drop in your RSS feed and you need at least 20 episodes and it'll give you a first draft of a book. I don't know if you've seen Say this. Say what? <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> Podium.page. It's nuts. Oh my God. I don't God. know if it's beta, but I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I'm curious, you know, obviously AI at some point is going to come into this conversation with oh, you. Completely. It is. Yeah. It should. It so should. what are you seeing for podcasters specifically? Because this is a podcast about podcasters. And as they make their way into think about like me, I have 300 episodes on Podcast Junkies. I have 100 episodes on my new show, Vertical Farming Podcast. And it's like, there's a lot of things that I've said and mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. You know, obviously in the old days, people would get a proofreader. Yeah. And just <laughs> but now it's like when you see some of the stuff that comes out and you're just like, well, the robots are here and, and they're here to stay. So I'm, I'm just curious about, you know, there's a lot there. Pick and choose from there. What, oh, what, man. What kinda, what, yeah. What's, so what top of mind for you. So going from the book into the podcasting, we actually do have a feature called the Book Companion Podcast where people can use it for their marketing. But my favorite is a style of podcasting that we're testing out on ourselves with my show, Drink from the Well, Mm -hmm. which launched in May. And this is more about content development, really strong content development and content marketing development than it is about multiple episodes of a podcast. So it's a Mm -hmm. monthly show, but the episodes are highly produced. They're very well thought out. Their SEO did the gills. And this is what you're testing with Drink from the Well. Yes, is what we're testing with my own show, Drink from the Well, which is a show for leaders, particularly leaders who are leading teams and in the conversation of how can I be more effective as a leader, but you know, also be awesome and feel awesome about it. So a lot of things about creativity and psychology and multi-generational issues and the role of leisure and all Mm -hmm. kinds of fun topics. So 
And we use different formats to kind of showcase some of the different formats you can use podcasting in. And we're using all kinds of, you know, more advanced, I would say, or more robust techniques than somebody who is generally starting out in a podcast would. So we can kind of say, these are all the things you can kind of do with your show. Hmm. So what are some examples of things that are moving the needle or that are working? Well, I would actually say that one of the, in, in terms of moving the needle, in terms of downloads and things like that, to be quite honest, I have been really happy with focusing on some of some budget on paid advertising. Yeah. I mean, to be able to guarantee downloads in my target demographic. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, spend the money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, this Platforms podcast like sponsored by Mopod. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, Mopod, okay. Yes, they're fun guys to work with. I've spoken to I them. I really yeah. like them. Yeah, the owner is a big karaoke guy and I love karaoke, so we were totally bonded around that. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah, his podcast is like number one music show in Canada, podcast in Canada. It's a karaoke podcast. <laughs> I they've love got that. The, they've got the two offers, the one that will get you just strict download numbers for the yep. sake of stats. And then they've got the Apple podcast followers. Exactly. Both of them. Right. Which one of those two have you seen has a better? We're actually using their self-serve platform right now, okay. which is really nice. And they just expanded it to include some demographic options. Okay. So, you know, after we record this, you should go and call them and tell them to pay you for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there, it's nice to be able to, to do that. And What's I don't the minimum think it, spend now with Mopod? It's like a hundred dollars. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. So, it, especially if you don't have a large audience and you want to build an audience, and right. then you're getting feedback. Like we've gotten some ratings, we've gotten some reviews, but you know, we also have a social media following of about three hundred thousand. Yeah. We didn't build it at a time around the podcasts that we do. So, if we had done that and had those kind of numbers, we would. have have more engagement than we do with this audience now. It's a little bit of an older audience. They tend to be over 55. Yeah. And so they're not listening as much as I would like, but we get a lot of really nice feedback on the quality okay. of what we're doing and the types of topics that we're choosing. And then, you know, we're doing things like experimenting with LinkedIn Live and can you turn the LinkedIn Live into a podcast? And so it's always, you know, we like to guinea pig on ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. and what we're doing. But the search engine optimization is also moving the needle quite a lot in terms of organic traffic. Okay. And when people are thinking about a podcast and the content they're creating for the podcast, should they be thinking about a book at some point or repurposing or is it just too confusing and they're just two separate mediums? I think it's a really good idea if you're strategic. So first of all, I am a massive advocate for planning out your season yeah, and the okay. topics that you're, that you're doing. And yeah. if you're going to be interviewing people, it needs to be intentional. It needs, mm -hmm. you know, I have a couple of, of shows right now that are based on book content from the sense of these are some of the themes and the chapters and what gets covered. And now we're going to, you know, cover it in a different way, but they can reference back to certain chapters. They can reference yeah. back to their book in general, even though they have a guest on their show. And then I content is cyclical. So if you start with a book and then you have a podcast off that book, and then you end up with developing relationships through the podcast that ends up in speaking gigs. And then out of those speaking gigs, you end up in a community and then you get another idea and then that's feeding back into your podcast. And then eventually you end up with an idea for another book, like yeah. all these, but you can enter the cycle at any point. Yeah. Right. It's very cyclical. And I think I'm really curious about 
that tool that you mentioned podium podium because that would be incredibly helpful the hardest part about writing a book or even starting a podcast is having an outline having a tight concept yeah you know It'd be um, interesting to see what it does in terms of at least it's that first pass, even that very, 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 very rough, rough draft. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think it's where a lot of people get stuck and they don't even know where to, where to start. It's I think it's the biggest issue. It's it's the reason I don't actually have a book of my own. I've written <laughs> chapters in other books yeah. and published that way. But I have like five different book ideas on the table and I'm like, which one do I do? I so know. that's what it comes down to. So <laughs> when I first got started with Podcast Junkies, this was back when Fiverr was around. And so I started in 2014. So basically I took the first 25 episodes, the transcripts, and then I gave them to somebody. I think I paid 500 bucks and they basically mm-hmm. kind of like wrote an outline and I called it around the podcast campfire. So it's published. It's an ebook. It's on Amazon. And should probably now with there's Amazon services that I'll actually take that and print a hard copy for you. It's funny. I don't even sure. have a hard copy of that book, but I should... I printed it. So it probably came out in 2015 or something like that. And I was like, every 25 episodes, I'm just going to do the same thing. And like part one, part two, part obviously that never happened. <laughs> I just got the first one done <laughs> and I'm up to 300 episodes. But it's interesting because there's there are takeaways. There are like ahas. And I think the hard part is just diluting them all. And then to your point, do I want to write a book about podcasting? Do I want to write a book about my entrepreneurial journey? Do I want to write a book about my spiritual journey? I know. They're all interesting. And then it's just like, you know, they said the cobbler's kids have the worst shoes right it's just like 100 percent true so if you had to think about what eventually will be your first book what would it be well the lowest hanging fruit right now it would be a book on developing your vocal leadership personality and because i developed a assessment tool it's not out yet using the 12 Jungian archetypes to talk about how each of these archetypes and the combinations of different archetypes can be basically a guidepost for leaders to start to be consistent in how they're bringing their voice out to the world and to own that space and then have the tools vocally and their inner tools to be able to get their voice out in the world more effectively. So yeah, the basically the result guide from the assessment tool ended up being like 30 pages long and we kind of had to sit back and go we both basically wrote part of a book so (laughs) maybe we should flesh this out into an entire book so i'm actually in conversation with a couple of my colleagues about that right now to see how feasible it is i am going to test out that podium thing with my podcast because episode and see because if it gets me i want to know (laughs) if it gets me to that first draft then uh and I get it published, and obviously I'll reach out to you for the audio. I version. think I think you should. <laughs> I'm actually working with ChatGPT right now to turn some articles into a white paper. Okay, and, could uh, actually make an audio book out of that first one. That'd be interesting, just to kind of go through that process. That'd be oh, you totally could. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And unlike well, most people, you probably could figure out how to do it on your own. <laughs> What's the best example of someone who's effectively used a podcast to promote a book? Elizabeth Gilbert. Back when she released her book, Big Magic, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. She did two seasons of a podcast called Magic Lessons. And they changed the format in the second season and I didn't quite like it as much, but I got why they did it. But there was a companion podcast to the book and it brought a lot of conversation and, you know, she was already very popular at the time. Yeah, yeah. And the owner, I never remember everybody's names, the owner of Magnolia, that big 
design mm. company. They're on HGTV and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name now. But she also, Chip and uh, Joanna yes, Gaines. Yes, yeah. Joanna Gaines. Yeah. So she did a book companion podcast recently. Okay. I think it was just maybe half a dozen episodes. Okay. To have people walk through the book. Brene Brown, also for Atlas of the Heart, did devoted a number of episodes to a, basically a book club through her oh, podcast. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I always thought that those were really good examples of some different ways to use it. Those are, of course, people who are, you know, fairly well established, but I say, you know, look to people who are doing it well and see how far you can emulate, you know, for your own authenticity. It should be something that it's probably evergreen that people can always come back to. And and that the goal obviously is to get people excited enough to not feel like you gave them the whole book, but that you're either teasing out content or just showing your expertise and then making them want to go deeper by, by getting the book. Yeah. Or get, doing real world, real life examples. Yeah. And you know, like, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert actually got people to do examples and then provided coaching her and another expert actually mm. coach these people on the podcast, and on the podcast which yeah. was really great. And that's challenging to pull off live coaching. Yeah. Yeah. But I know they did pre-interviews and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. cut things together yeah. and all of that. It's <laughs> it's a lot more than meets the eye, yeah. as you know. So, and as our, probably a lot of our listeners know, there's a lot more that goes into production. But between you and me and the wall, I actually just pitched a podcast idea to a company up in Canada, totally off the beaten path from what we usually do. Yeah. And we're experimenting with some improv radio drama oh, here cool. locally. So there's, you know, the creative expression that's possible is endless. Yeah. yeah. Especially, have you heard any of the immersive podcasts with like the soundscapes where like stuff is like you hear it in different parts of your head? I had a couple of people <laughs> recommend Akbal to me. So I got them queued up. I haven't listened to them yet. Yeah. And uh, along with some improv podcasts, apparently I missed a podcast. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> that has 300 episodes and every episode is an improvised musical. I'm sorry. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. That's like my dream podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Just sit there binging. Audio music. It's basically an audio musical. Yeah. Yeah. An audio musical, but it's completely improvised. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I've heard book talk is a thing now on TikTok. Book talk is a thing on TikTok. I have not delved into that tremendously, but yeah, it's, I do have a TikTok account and I have enjoyed playing around on TikTok, but I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I have like, I posted one thing, I think for podcast junkies and then just kind of close it again. I'm just like, <laughs> I feel old when I'm in there and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to learn. I don't know if you saw threads just came out today, which is the, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and I Instagram, haven't looked at Twitter it yet. Equivalent. Yeah. And I just jumped on and there's a bunch of like friendly face or friend, not faces, but friendly names from Instagram and that they're talking. Cause it's some more, it's like a Twitter vehicle. So it's, it's like a Twitter. Oh, my brain. Yeah. So it's just like, any shiny new object everyone's in there everyone's all buzzed and excited so it'll be interesting to see what happens of course that'll be interesting but yeah we're doing more with short video now and things like that too and kind of um, micro learning those kinds of pieces just you know so people can consume things at their own pace what are you listening to it's so funny because we talk about college shoes having the college kids having to wear shoes and i found my listening time has drastically decreased because, yes. Partly because of the work we're doing, just because of other stuff that I'm into. But is there anything that stays in your queue that you're listening to regularly? <laughs> I've actually been paper reading. Paper? Like, oh, just school. straight up paper <laughs> reading lately. Yeah. yeah, I cycle through different mediums yeah. over to, over time. I find yeah. that I get a little saturated with one thing and then come back, come back to another. Just 
to talk about a lot about cycles, right? So yeah. I'm actually in a big fiction phase right now. Yeah. And catching up on some authors that I haven't read in a while, but I do have some books I have queued up for some tr- summer travel. Actually, my favorite audiobook recently that I listened to is very, very short. John Cleese from mm. Monty Python. Yeah, I yeah. did not know this. Years ago, wrote a very short book on creativity. Okay. And it is precious. <laughs> and the audiobook is an hour long. Okay. It's a it's a very small book, but it was so lovely. Yeah. To have John Cleese, who I adore, <laughs> yeah. talk about creativity in my ear for an hour. I've listened yeah. to it twice. I bought the hardcover of. It's like this little precious oh, nice. book. And I'm just like, I love things like that because they give you this nice little message yeah. that you can keep coming back to. And there's something simple about it that makes it easy to consume. And I think a lot of us are looking for a little bit more of that yeah. rather than things that are huge and long and complex. Is it so anyway? No, it's called creativity. That's oh, creativity. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll look for it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well. I think I do agree. I'm into the science fiction. I'm one of the authors I mentioned to you is Robin Maxwell. She's wrote a five-part series called The Gods of Atlantos, which is based on Plato's accounting, how he was orally transmitted, like the story of Atlantis. It's a book called Crimius. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's actual like Plato writings about something that he found or that was that was narrated to him. And so she, she's taken that concept and built like a whole like science fiction Historical science fiction, I guess, is what she's called it. But I love that. Yeah, it's fascinating to see how people like can take just a, a kernel of an idea and just turn it into just like this epic saga, which is wild. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I just came. John Scalzi, who's one of my favorite science fiction writers, just released a short story in on mm-hmm. Amazon, and it's free right now. Yeah. On Kindle, and they did it so that you can listen to the audiobook and the read. The, oh, yeah, the yeah. Kindle version for free. And I think he's coming out with a larger book on it, but it's told from the point of view of an AI spaceship, basically. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because it evolves over time yeah. to make its own decisions and to, it's a short story, but it was brilliantly done. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. That's crazy to think how advanced Space Odyssey 2000 was. I know. How, 2000, like that was like 70s or maybe was it 70s or maybe I don't even know. Like I think it was the late 70s. Late 70s. Might so have been 80. Yeah, early crazy. 80s. Crazy. That movie still holds up. It's wild. <laughs> I haven't know? watched that in decades. Yeah, it's good because it's just the pace of it is so slow and just like it's fun to watch. Okay. We're closing in on the hour mark. And as I always <laughs> knew what would happen when we just get together and chat. So it's been nice to kind of just catch up and see what's happening in your world. And I think sometimes when you're at a podcast conference, you're like, oh, we're going to let's have a chat. And it's like five or 10 minutes in the hallway. And you're like, okay, well, we'll see each other later. And then that never happens. It never and then, happens. It yeah. never happens. So I think. And it's too loud to talk at the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it never ends up being. So this is much more relaxed, much more kick our heels back and just kind of sit back and and see what's happening in your world so i really appreciate you taking the time to do that so i'd be remiss if i didn't ask my closing two questions okay what's something you've changed your mind about recently oh i have changed my mind recently that i have to hire a whole bunch of people internally to grow the business to the next level and we're actually doing it through collaboration it's been a lot of fun Say a little bit more about that. Is it collaborating just freelancers or is this partnerships? No, or? collaborating with other companies. So oh, okay, working cool. with other companies the same way those publishers work with us. Yeah. Very cool. And what's the most misunderstood thing about you? 
Oh, generally the most misunderstood thing about me is that I'm, I get a lot that people call me like Miss Tina and they (laughs) think that I'm like very, not prim and proper, but kind of like I'm an authority and I'm powerful and all of that, but not necessarily all that relatable. And I'm like, I am a dork. (laughs) I am a massive freaking dork. Like a hundred percent of the time, like. I have a filthy mind. I have a filthy <laughs> mouth. You throw me a karaoke microphone yeah. and you know, let's go put on a show and let them just go like traipse through the woods looking for fairies. And then let's go eat <laughs> pasta. I mean, seriously. Fun. Yeah. Cool. So it's a lot more to Tina Dietz than meets the eye is what you're saying. <laughs> I am many layers. I'm like Shrek, you yeah. know, ogres are like onions. <laughs> Well, I hope that's enough to get people curious about the world of Tina and then dig into anywhere else to connect with you. So where's the best place for folks to want to learn more about you and learn more about Twin Flame Studios? Well, you can definitely go to the website, Twin Flames Studios. They're all plural, <laughs> studios.com and find out all about the company and all that. And we also have company pages on all the platforms, but Twitter, because I hate it. <laughs> and <laughs> so you find us there. Yeah, and I'll have to try threads. Oh my God. But if you Google my name, Tina Dietz, D I E T Z, I do show up as the first answer on Google. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Talk about SEO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you so much for jumping on here. I know we had to reschedule this a couple of times, but it was great to catch up. Oh, thanks, Harry. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Tina for coming on the show. Always appreciated when guests take time out of their busy schedule to chat with me. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com. Tune in next week for my conversation with Matt Shields. This is going to be a doozy. We dive deep into how Facebook ads can help you grow your show. And we're going to geek out on this a bit. And then we're going to use this exact strategy to see how we can grow listenership to that episode. So it's going to be really, really interesting. It's almost like a podcast marketing lab, which we're going to be testing out some different things. So please, if you're interested in growing your show, make sure you tune into that episode next week. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. If you're interested in learning the five pillars that every successful business owner needs to know prior to launching their podcast, then head on over to fullcast.co and you can watch a free video there. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and I'll be sure to read those out on a future episode. Remember, tune in next week for yet another conversation with a fascinating personality from the world of podcasting. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you next week.